Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Bulls Beat Podcast Show, the Chicago Bulls Podcast. All right, welcome back into the Bulls Beat. Today, I am joined by a special guest. Very rare for me to have guests, but I wanted to bring on Jason Pat, who does the Cash Considerations podcast. Also, you're writing for Forbes and still bloggable. Is that is that correct? Oh, absolutely. Uh, and your tag on Twitter. So you're kind of like all over the place in terms of uh, Bulls news. But thank you for taking the time out of your day to come on to the show. And, and uh, how's everything going on your end? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm uh, ready for the season. Obviously, it's going to be a weird season coming up here, starting uh, Wednesday for the Bulls against the Hawks. But uh, I'm ready. Looking forward to it. It's, it's been what now nine months since the Bulls have played an actual game. So it's gonna be fun to be back. Hopefully. Yeah, I don't know if it'll be it'll be fun for the first game. We'll see how long the fun lasts. Yeah. Uh, the, the start of the season actually kind of reminds me of the start of last season. So like they started against the Bobcats, and you're like, oh, they can win this game. And when they didn't win that first game, it was like already kind of like a little depressing. Like we can't even it. beat the Bobcats. They blew it in the last like two minutes, three, four minutes. They got smoked and, the, and they lost. Definitely yeah. a bad omen. And and so we're starting off against kind of like a similar caliber team. Like the Hawks are like the sort of our competition for this year. Like teams that have maybe be competing for that like ninth, tenth, eighth spot. Like which is if things go well, like that's the upside I think scenario. I don't, do you agree with that? Is that kind of like our upside scenario is to be in those kind of three teams? Yeah. I mean, I don't see how they're going to be there's, I feel like there's a top seven there. That's pretty set in the Eastern conference. So then you're left with like eight, nine, 10, basically the playing, the playing rounds with, uh, you got like, yeah, the Hawks, the wizards, maybe the wizards are a little better now with, with the rush down to the Hawks, wizards, like Hornets, bulls, uh, just that kind of group is, I think we'll definitely be fighting for that. Like last or those last playoff spots. And then again, I think there's like a top seven, basically the, same top subs in the last, I guess the, since the Nets have, have jumped up. But, yeah, in general, I do think, like, Bulls-Hawks, I mean, it definitely is interesting because the Hawks are kind of kind of one of the darlings of the NBA offseason because they made a bunch of moves. They got Gallinari, they got Bogdanovich, they got former Bull Chris Dunn, they got Rondo. They had all that cap space, so they signed a bunch of guys, and they want to take a big step because they've been terrible the last couple of years, just like the Bulls. So that should at least hopefully be a good, like, decent measuring stick for, like you said, just kind of the competition there with the Bulls. Uh, for potentially one of those final playing spots. Yeah, I, I think so too. It's, it's like a perfect opener. As much as there's going to be playoff atmosphere basketball for Chicago, like the Hawks might be, might be the team that could be our nemesis, like fighting for that, you know, <laughs> fighting for that spot, which yeah. is a low bar. But it's like if we went up against the Lakers right away, that would just wouldn't be fun at all. So I think I think for the Bulls, that actually is a nice opening. And I know you've talked about the schedule a little bit. You think it's a really tough schedule to start off. Uh, I thought it was a little bit easier, and I think probably we agree the first five games are kind of winnable-ish, and then after that, you kind of go on this, like, tough stretch, and then it sort of just balances out the way, you know, all NBA schedules do, just because you play different games, but I think that makes the beginning of this, like, very important. Like, if you come in, and you're, like, one and four at the beginning, you're really going to be up against it, you know, after that. Yeah, absolutely, because it's what, Hawks, and then I think the Pacers, who obviously a very good team, and then the Warriors, it looks like Draymond might not play, and he's dealing with some injury, and it uh, doesn't sound like he's going to play in their opener. I'm, I think he, I, it sounds like it's unclear if he's going to play in that uh, when they play the Bulls. And then the Bulls have a couple games, I think, to finish out the summer against the Wizards. So that again, that's also kind of interesting with all these games against these kind of similar caliber teams. And then, yeah, as you mentioned, January, they got like the Lakers, the 
Celtics a few times. I think like the Mavs, the, they go out west, they play like the Blazers. So yeah, if yeah if they get up to a bad start in December here, that is probably not good news for that January schedule. I know things could get funky with with the coronavirus still happening, and if guys miss time, or if the guy with just the schedule in general, if guys there's like resting guys and stuff like that. But right now, yeah, the Bulls definitely have to come. Like you got to win this probably first game against the Hawks to feel good about yourself. Pacers, I never feel good about playing them. I feel like they just smoked the Bulls last year almost every time they played. But, yeah, it's definitely a little easier to start, and then it gets really brutal. And then I think, yeah, it was February. It starts. To, they, they finally play, like, the Knicks a couple times, like the Magic. But, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, in general, though, I do think it's kind of tough. And I am glad that uh, it is kind of tough and that they're not coming out with just a bunch of cupcake games. I just kind of wanted to see what these guys are made of. Like, uh, like I was kind of bummed that they did so little in the offseason. They're kind of just running it back with – Billy Donovan is their head coach, which I thought was a pretty good hire. Uh, they're just kind of see and just to see what they got this whole evaluation thing. It's like we'll throw them right into the fire right away. I'd like to see it, uh, and I guess we'll see how they handle it. We'll see how Kobe White handles starting point guard, and we'll see if Larry Markin and Wendell Carter can work. Obviously, we'll talk about this stuff as we go, but I'm I'm kind of excited that, they, that they're facing this kind of tougher schedule to start the year. Just maybe, and if if it goes poorly, then maybe we kind of see the Bulls turn into a a tank mode, blow up, blow it all up and rebuild again. But if they do well, uh, that will set them up for possibly whatever, a playoff spot, a play in spot, something like that. So it'll be interesting. I think it's interesting. You brought up the idea that they basically just ran it back. And I, I did a show. I called it C for conservative, which is how I viewed our off season. Like really did nothing. And the one thing I think is a little odd. Everyone's super excited about uh, Arturis coming in the Billy Donovan hire. But if we made the same moves, and it was Gar Pax that made these moves. There would be like absolute pitchforks, <laughs> absolute pitchforks this offseason. And everyone just seems to have this like, oh, we need to evaluate. I'm like, these guys have been in the league for a while. Like, I kind of feel like you just sort of know who some of these guys are right now. And so at the same time, I kind of like you wish like, well, maybe you could have done something. At the same time, I'm like, I don't really know if there was much to do. Right. Like, yeah. I, I feel like Lowry's value is probably just nothing. I feel like Wendell Carter's value is probably like near nothing. So like even though like at the at the one on the one hand I feel like you should have just like there had to be something like something had to be better than what we did. I think kind of I'm like start looking at him like I don't know if there was like I think maybe Zach is the one guy who maybe had value that you could have traded. But is you know if you if you lost Zach on this team I, I can't even imagine how bad it would be. It just feels like it would just be be so awful that it would it would be completely unwatchable. Yeah, I, and I've and I've said multiple times on my pod written it like I didn't really expect like big stuff like in terms of like a Zach trade or even like trading Lowry. I know there were those rumors on the draft about them trading like using Wendell to trade up to number two, and I thought that was kind of dumb. Just in this draft, like why would you do that? Move up two spots, whatever you think of Wendell. And again, we'll, I'm assuming we'll talk about him on uh, his shooting in the preseason a bit later. But uh, yeah, just the big stuff didn't seem like it was really out there. But I I and I ha- kind of hammered home like I really still would have been nice to make some other moves. Like on the fringes, at least, like maybe the maybe, maybe Thad Young had zero trade value. Maybe Tomas Sadoransky had no, zero trade value. But just like the fact that it, they are like literally running it back, plus Patrick Williams, plus Garrett Temple, who we have not seen yet, who apparently is now back at practice. I think he tested positive for COVID and he was out and he missed all preseason. But I mean, Garrett Temple's not moving the needle. And even if some of those fringe moves, if you trade Thaddeus Young or do some of the roster churn that I kind of talked about, just like because they have some end of bench guys who just like, or use some even if that isn't game changing stuff like 
the fact that they just did so little, it's just like, like you kind of said, like if that was Garpax, like people would be going nuts. I, I do understand being a bit more patient. I'm mostly fine with the fact that it didn't come in to like blow everything up here. I still would have liked to seen a bit more because this roster was bad. Like, and I know Boylan was terrible. I mean, we've, we've all hammered that home that Jim Boylan sucked and he needed to go. And that we hope that Billy Donovan can help with some of these guys. But at some point, like it's not just the bad coaching. Like at some point, these guys just probably aren't as good as we hope they were. Uh, and we'll see. Yeah, I definitely would have liked to see them do a bit more, even if it wasn't like super big stuff. So I am curious again, if they do start poorly, they get up to a bad start. Like maybe they, maybe AK will go into full, like, all right, I've like, I've seen enough already. Like maybe it's time to make some big moves, but then you really wonder, like, I guess, what are you going to get for like Lowry? And if he's like struggling in a contract year and like Zach, Zach definitely has some value, but like as you're, as basically the team's best player, like, you probably want a lot for him, and you do wonder, like, what other teams around the league think of him. I mean, he's just had a great preseason. Like, he's probably going to have another really good year, but how much does he really impact winning? Like, what are, what are, what are other teams giving up for him? So it is also k- kind of just a strange spot for the Bulls to be in and for AK to come in, but uh, I guess I guess we'll see. Yeah, I, I think it is, for all the reasons you just outlined, I think it is a brutally diff- difficult position for the Bulls to get out of. Yeah, and effectively, I think in the end, they're probably going to need to get really lucky in the draft. Maybe they did so already with Pat yeah. Pat Williams, and and we'll find that out over the next coming years. Maybe they'll get really next year, uh, really lucky next year. But I think like ultimately, that's usually how a team becomes really good is, is they get a star in the draft. It's not 100% of the way, but usually that's kind of the basis, and other moves happen, and we we can't speed up that process probably. I think no matter what we did. Now, I'm going to hit you with some breaking news. I don't know if you got Twitter open like at this exact second. Uh, Kyle Kuzma? Kyle Kuzma just <laughs> yeah. got signed for $13 million, uh, three years, $40 million. And one of the things we were going to talk about is what would you pay Lowry Markkinen in an extension right now if he was you know, willing to sign? And Kuzma and Markkinen in some ways have had somewhat parallel careers. You know, they both started out a little bit hot, then they both kind of disappointed and became uh, a lot less. And, and some of the luster off their stars definitely came off for both of them. Uh, so what do you think of the Kuzma extension just off the cuff? And what do you think uh, Lowry is on the market right now? Yeah, so I'm kind of surprised that he took this. I figured he was looking for more. Uh, but I mean, obviously playing with the Lakers and like all those opportunities you get even like off the court probably is helpful. Maybe help him get take lesser annual money on a salary. And he got a player option in year three, which I think I think Bosch tweeted that like that's not really usual to get like for a player like that, like on a non-max deal to get that kind of player option. Uh, so that might help so he can get into free agency in a couple years in his prime and maybe and he'll get a bigger deal then maybe. He's obviously taking more on a, more of a reserve role now in the Lakers because uh, he was coming off the bench on their championship team. So yeah, it's kind of surprised that he signed it, but I guess in a situation maybe he just figured, you know what, I'll take I'll take this guaranteed money with the championship team. I'll build my brand with the Lakers because I know he's got uh, who's he with? I can't remember like Puma maybe. He's like the, he's at the face of some some brand because uh, he came out with some commercial recently. So like maybe he's good good was good taking less money. Lowry I feel like would not take that low of a deal. Like I mean maybe he would, but like, when I first was when he was talking at media day or whatever that first day and he was like you know I'm pushing my agent to sign an extension and then like AK kind of said something similar oh we like we like Lowry we'd love to have him around like. I mean, maybe that was just like media day bluster. I know they kind of re- they kind of revisited that again a couple of days ago, mid kind of his preseason struggles, and they were both. I mean, they kind of brought it up again how he'd, he'd like to be here. So like when that first came out, though, I was thinking like maybe 15 million a year. I was like 40. If you go to four four years, maybe you do like 15 
to like 16 or 17. I, you can't go much higher than that. I don't think he just hasn't proven at this point. I know his cap hold for next year or for whatever next offseason, I think is 20 million. You're definitely not going up, up to that at this point. He just hasn't shown that enough. So like I said, maybe 15, 16, especially now with this Kuzma deal at thir- 13 or so a year, like, I feel like Lowry probably a bit more important to the Bulls allegedly. Again, Lowry has just been such a frustrating figure. It was as you said, like he kind of came out hot. He played decently under Fred Hoiberg. He obviously had that big February 2019 that we all have to talk about when he under Jim Boylan. And then last year was just such a disappointment as the entire team was and took clear step back, or at least even if he didn't take a step back, he was basically didn't develop at all. And just in general, so didn't take that step forward. So now after three years, you're just kind of you left with the guy who I'm just not really sure what he's good at in the NBA at this point. Like he theoretically should be a great shooter. It looks great. Like every time I see him shoot these, these open threes, I'm like, oh, yeah, that looks great. It's going to go in. But he's at whatever, 35, 36 percent for his career, which is not good enough considering most of his looks are open catch and shoot shots. Uh, he doesn't do much off the dribble. He sh- did show a bit more aggression in this last preseason game, just in preseason in general. He started to show a bit more aggression after that really ugly. I think that was the second game where he went like one for ten. Uh, but he just like he just doesn't really do anything that well other than like shoot free throws. So it's like, what do you give a big a power forward who like isn't super versatile, hasn't really shot the ball as well as you'd like? I just don't know. So like I said, if you locked him in for whatever fifteen, sixteen million a year, something like that, it makes him. It, I feel like that would hopefully help him as like a possible trade chip down the line. Like, and so he's not an expiring deal. Maybe you get a little more value if you sign him now and then you look to trade him down the road. I don't think you could, you could really go that much more than that. He just, he just isn't good enough. He's basically an average player. And if you're going to give like an average starter that amount of money, like you bet on and bet on the potential a little bit, at least. And you hope that Billy Donovan can coax a bit more out of him. I think that's fine. You got to be careful. You can't go be throwing around a huge deal. to Larry Markin at this point, it's just, he hasn't shown it enough. Yeah, it's funny. I started off this offseason thinking like 15 million a year, it seems like about what I would offer. Like that, yeah. that that's kind of like the cap of what I would do, you know, 460. And as the preseason wore on, <laughs> that number just kept going down. I'm just like, like, oh man, 460 yeah. now seems seems even kind of like a lot. And you brought up a lot of the same reasons why. It's like he's he's not versatile defensively. He can only defend the power forward position. You can't really play him at center. Uh, there's he can't really guard even threes even for fringe amount of time uh, without getting killed and you know offensively sometimes he drives a little bit but mostly it's attacking closeouts and you know it's valuable like he can he can kind of get you volume points but he doesn't create anything for anyone else yep uh, you know he's only kind of an end point to an offense he, he's not like a middle point or a beginning point and just how much is that worth when your percentages are kind of average and, you know, just while you were talking, I, I kind of glanced at Kyle Kuzma's stats. And this, this is Kyle Kuzma. I, I knew he had an off year. I didn't know how off it was. Yeah. <laughs> last, last year, 25 minutes a game, 12.8 points, uh, 12.2 PER, and uh, like a 53.1% true shooting percentage. Uh, that's, that's like yeah, pretty bad. Great. <laughs> that's pretty bad. So that's, that's actually quite a bit worse than Lowry, who, you know, so we'll, we'll see what this says. I, I kind of feel like, if you're going to sign a guy early, you should get some money off. And like 15 million is kind of where I think his fair market value is. Like, I think that even pays him for a little bit of potential. And maybe it's one of those deals where they, they go for like a, a different number of years, kind of yeah, like this Kuzma sure. deal. You know, if you did like 345 with a third year team uh, player option, you know, something like that might be, you know, become more uh, feasible. Larry gets a, a really nice guaranteed amount of money 
but he can get out if he if he becomes really good. You know, some some deal like that might be kind of uh, interesting for both sides. But we'll see. Do you think do you think something will get done regardless I, I, of the price tag? I, I don't I don't know. I don't think so. Like I I for the longest time I didn't think so, and then I was like, oh maybe they will, but. With like this 2021 free agency is like a huge bust now. Like all the best guys are basically off the board. So like if Lowry just bets on himself and like has a nice year, there will be more teams with cap space and maybe somebody throws him like a decent sized offer or maybe the Bulls come back and even uh, give him a, a, a nicer offer. Something like that. Like I uh, I know we went kind of th- went through this with Jimmy Butler. I'm still not expecting Lowry Markin to come out and have like that Jimmy Butler jump here that he had in his fourth year, but like. Uh, they kind of haggled on that deal. Jimmy bet on himself, and then he became a max player. Again, I don't think Lowry's going to come out and become a max player this year, especially from what we've seen in preseason and just like his overall style and what we've seen. But I, I, Lowry could come out and have a decent year, maybe make some money in, in, a, in a better market next offseason. I know restricted free agency can sometimes hurt guys, but I guess all it takes is one. Like if he has, if he has one good season and someone throws him a big offer sheet, uh, maybe he could. Maybe he maybe he would care more about. I know he's had injury problems. Maybe he would care about more locking something in now, uh, even if it's maybe a little less than he could possibly get next uh, next offseason. So we'll see. I would still lean. I would still lean no, but I guess it wouldn't totally shock me if he signed one. I have no idea what will happen. Yeah, I could see it going <laughs> either way. Yeah. If I'm guessing, I'm with you. I probably guess no, but it, same. It wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me. I gotta say, like if if I was ever an NBA player. I would like lock in so fast. I would fold on this money so fast, <laughs> especially if I'm like Lowry and I'm thinking like, all right, I've made, you know, was it like $11 million? I lost half of that to taxes and agent fees. So I have like $5 million. It's not like as crazy as it sounds like that's not enough to live on, like in a wealthy style of life for the rest of your life. You know, even if you're a conservative yeah. right away, like it's enough to, you know, you could easily oh, make yeah. it, but not like, not like in a, a life of luxury. You get me like $40 million. There's <laughs> yeah, 20 million to taxes. 20 million is now enough left where like I never need to work and I'm like right, super yeah. comfortable, like wealth. I'm like, yep, all right, I'm great. <laughs> you know, yeah, like this yeah, is I mean, good. Uh, like, Lowry, Lowry doesn't seem like a guy who's like maybe will hold out for like every last penny. I don't know. I know he's got a. I think he's got. Does he have two kids already now? Like maybe he just wants to lock that money in and like have that for his kids. I don't know. Like who, who really knows? Yeah, it's, like, it, he's just in such a weird spot. And it's a, like I was. I had such high hopes for him. Like just one like before whatever he kind of this down third year like when he was looking really good in that february 2019 even those first couple years like i really did have high hopes for him and i think most bulls fans did that he could really be like legit franchise cornerstone and now like i and now i think you're just kind of hoping like that he could be like a high level role player i think everybody should probably change their expectation level for him like he might maybe not a foundational piece but i mean he could still hopefully be like a nice player for your future possibly but and if not like i mean i'm obviously fine everybody on this team is expendable in terms of a trade so like if you sign him right now to trade him in the next year or two that's also totally fine with me yeah yeah i i always think if i'm a player i'm like i don't want to be nerland's noel i don't want to be demarcus cousins yeah i don't want to be uh isaiah thomas like these guys who are like thinking the the brink truck was going to get backed up for them and then you know, something happens, be it injury or in Noel's per- case, just poor performance. Yeah. And all of a sudden you got like nothing, you know, like the gap between me getting like 50 million or 60 million, say four fifteen in an extension and being able to get 80 million the next year. And my quality of life is like super low compared to the gap between going from like 60 to like 10 if things <laughs> went really badly. So that's why I would always fold. I, and I know these players don't because from the agent's perspective, they're always looking out for them and they won't let them take that kind of, kind of deal. So I don't 
don't expect my experience to ever be the same. But yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see. I'm totally with you on everyone being expendable. And I think if people set their expectations for Lowry as just like a rotation starter, you know, kind of like this is your fourth or fifth starter. Yep. He's maybe like the fifth best guy on your team. That's kind of okay for a $15 million player. And yeah. that's yeah. kind of well, especially how, how he is. Yeah, as long as the cap is like whatever. So I know the cap didn't go up this year. I hope, but like it still will. So and like at this point, like an average starter is going to be making double-digit money. I mean, we had Kuzma's a six-man, thirteen million. There's plenty of other guys out there that are making. I mean, Thad Young is making what, like thirteen million a year. Basically, rotation. Yeah, rotation starter is your going rate is basically whatever, thirteen, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, something around there. So again, if you give him maybe a little more to bet on that potential, I would understand it. Again, just don't want to go too high at this point. You don't want to bet on him that much. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the key questions I think the Bulls need to answer going into the season is Zach and Kobe playing together. Can they both start together? Is this a pairing? Is this your backcourt of the future? Is this Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum here? Or is this just not going to work and you have to move on from one of these guys? Uh, So we've got to see that for a few preseason games. What are your thoughts on Zach and Kobe together so far? Uh, do you think they'll they'll continue to start together, and do you think they have long-term future together, or are we going to have to move one of these guys? I still kind of ultimately think they're going to end up moving one of them. I, I think they're both really fun. I like both guys. Uh, like I said, they're really fun to watch. They can both really get buckets. I just – like Dame and CJ – I mean, Dame and CJ is – Dame is, ridic- is insanely good. I know Zach can ha- kind of have Dame-like explosions with his range. It's ridiculous, but, like, Dame is still better overall. I mean <laughs> – and I mean, CJ is, is a really, really nice second option. So like, I mean, maybe they can be like a poor man's version of that. But like, I mean, there's also the defensive issue, and not that the Blazers, those Blazers guys, that was a big problem. Is their defense sucked, and that's why they're even with Dame and CJ going like ham, like they couldn't stop anybody. So, and I feel like that could end up being one one of the problems with the Zach Kobe back. Where like, I just don't know how good defensively they can be. And then obviously there is the big question about are they is one of them actually a high level enough? offensive initiator to really make it all work because like as fun as they can be and they can both get buckets for themselves uh, and they can fill it up from basically anywhere can they run a high level offense and we've seen obviously Kobe's only been in the uh, NBA one year we finally see him take over the starting point guard in preseason and I think it was a mixed bag we saw we see him make some basic plays some basic pick and, pick and rolls plays it's nice we saw some other some more advanced reads I know our guy Stefan No who does a lot of good breakdowns was really excited but I think Kobe's third game I don't think it was the fourth game. I think it was his third game. Um, and that, and he just looked, it was again, a mixed bag where he looked good at some, some spots, made some good reads, had some issues uh, in other places. So yeah, I mean, that's all, that's going to be another just interesting question that the bulls will have to answer uh, with those two guys. Again, I think they're both super fun. It's just that, I don't know. And with Zach, I mean, I'll go Zach as well. All, had an awesome preseason, but he's another guy. Like, can he make the high level decisions against good defenses? I don't know. Like he's he's never done in the NBA. He's never been a winning player as much as I like him. So we'll see. Yeah, it's a it's a question that's going to be tough to answer. My off the cuff feeling is kind of like I've I said this before. The next time the Bulls have a a good team, and and I'll I'll say a good team is a team that wins more than 45 games in a, in a season, assuming an 82 game season, and assuming they won't do that this year. Uh, I think probably virtually everyone on this roster will be gone. That's uh, that's like kind of my prediction. So I I think ultimately it probably won't end up working out with Zach and Kobe, but I I'm I'm curious. I I thought there was very little chance. Kobe impressed me a lot with his playmaking. There there's still challenges there. I I kind of felt like most of his problems as initiator were actually when he was trying to drive for his own shot. 
Yeah. I thought when he was driving looking to pass, he actually looked pretty good. But when he was driving looking for his own shot, that's when he kind of would barrel into three guys and try and force up a shot and body someone. When he when he drove looking to pass, I thought it actually it worked out a lot better. So I'm cautiously optimistic. Specifically on Zach Levine, we have seen, or at least I thought, uh, he looked a lot more active defensively. I, he had four deflections, like I think in the first quarter of that game four. And overall, we saw him kind of just defend uh, Shea Gilgis Gil Alexander, just flat out one play. We saw him do the same thing to John Wall and get a block. Like he, he looked a lot more active defensively. His man defense was a little bit better. I've posited that maybe it was Zach Levine. You need to put him on like an athletic initiator on the other team where he doesn't need to actually make complex decisions yeah. and just needs to stay in front of him. And his athleticism is a bonus and his decision-making, which is kind of a problem with him is not as much a detriment. It's just stay in front of this guy uh, towards the end of that last game. He kind of lost me there. <laughs> <It's some laughs> low buys. But, but overall, I think it's been, a, it's been a nice defensive performance for Zach. Uh, do you reach the same conclusion or are you still very down on, on Zach's defense? I mean, He's always, I mean, he's he's so athletic, obviously, and he can stay with guys. As you mentioned, kind of like on ball stuff. Like I feel like he's generally fine as like that on ball defender. And but as you mentioned, it's like the decision making and when he's off the ball and like losing guys. I mean, you're like talking about switching and kind of stuff like that. Again, I think I'm gonna shout out Stefano again. He was he did a nice thing about the Bulls drop defense and how they're playing more of that as opposed to the blitzing stuff. And he kind of pointed out just some some issues that I know Zach had some issues in the, in that last game against the Thunder where they I mean they got smoked they they were down like 20 points through three quarters against a, a Thunder team that should not be good at all like that was not promising I know they won the game but that was all a like garbage time comeback uh, so I, I it's tough like was a, a lot of the stuff again he can make flashy defensive plays he those with with his athleticism like on the on the ball stuff he's fine and I feel like a lot of his bad defense can be kind of stuff that you just like don't notice as much when he, if he like loses a man. And like gets like back. I mean, I guess sometimes that can be easy to see, but just sometimes a lot of the off the ball stuff, and as you mentioned, the decision making just can be kind of tough, and that and that can hurt the overall team defense. Where even it maybe it doesn't make him look as bad, it ends up in like an easy bucket, something like that. So that's going to be again going to have to be something where he's really got to prove it because uh, he just has never been a, as much as I like have come around on him as just a kind of as a pretty darn good player and he's on a reasonable contract is 19 million a year for right now he's obviously a great scorer like he's still got to be able to impact the game besides just his scoring and that's whether that's defense whether that's playmaking and that's still stuff we're gonna have to see against good teams because last year the Bulls were an absolute joke against better competition and some of that was on Zach Levine and some of that was even on his scoring he had some ugly games early in the year against some of the better teams that kind of cost them and then so if he's not, if he doesn't have a, sh- a good shooting game, can he make an impact defensively? Can he maybe have like a 10 assist game or really do that kind of playmaking if he's not sh- shooting well? I'm just not sure if he's totally there. So that's another. I mean, some of these guys just have so much to prove, which I think is what kind of makes some part of this season interesting. Like, can Zach Levine, who's been a good player and like he's never been on a winner, can he prove to be a legitimate guy in a winning team can Kobe White prove he can be a point guard can Larry Markin actually do something can Wendell Carter do something so that is one of the one of the things I'm at least excited for this year is all these young guys it's I think it's like it's kind of put up or shut up for a lot of these guys it's at least with the Bulls for sure yeah I think that's true there's two things you said in there the first was Zach Levine being on a good contract you mentioned his nine I think it's like 18 and a half million a year yeah, something like say. That. I, I, but whatever it is he signed that after he returned from the ACL, ACL, but he was like awful that year. He had yep. a true shooting percentage below 50 percent, 
And so it was like a pure bet on him coming back. And then he was like amazing afterwards. So I'll give you two questions. The first is like, what do you think Zach's actually going to sign for on his next contract? Because that's up in like two years. And so part of my thought this offseason was like, look, if you're not willing to pay Zach whatever you think his market value is in two years, now is the time to get rid of him when he has two years left. Like, and I think his market value in two years is probably going to be like 30 million because people just pay for scoring. Yeah, um, yeah, I was, I mean, he's and he's going to want it too. I mean, if he has another season this year where he puts up what 25, 26, 27 a game, something like that, and, and if the Bulls are a little better, like he's going to go and he's going to want that money. And like, would the Bulls extend him? I have no idea. It could depend on maybe how good they are. Like, if they actually do take a legit step, maybe they would be more willing to, to uh, give him an extension next offseason or something like that. But if they're not, like, if they're just kind of meandering around again, like, maybe if they're even not, not that bad. Like I said, if they're, like, really, if they're actually, like, bad again next year, it's, like, another disaster. I think you look to blow the whole damn thing up. But, like, if they're kind of meandering around, like, what 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 do you look for Zach Levine in a trade? Or would you still be willing to pay him, whatever, yeah, 25 to 30 million a year? Because he will be looking for that type of deal as a one of the better scorers, a borderline all-star in the NBA. I don't know if I'd be comfortable giving him that if there if it's still a, another situation where just, he's never won anything. Like at some point, like as much as I do like like him, I think he has improved. At some point, it is empty calories in terms of his scoring. So like I don't know. It's I don't know if I like right now. I probably would not be like looking to give him like a ma- basically close to a max extension. Like I, I think he still has to prove in some other areas of the game that he would be worth kind of building around like that in terms of that kind of money. But he's definitely going to be looking for it. That's for sure. Yeah, I was actually really, really hoping the Bulls would offer him a max extension this offseason and, and that he would take it. And just for clarity, for those who aren't NBA salary cap gurus, the max extension, when it's an actual extension and you have years left on your deal, is based on your current deal. And so Zach's max extension is not the max contract. It would actually be three years, $75 million added onto his existing contract. So three more years of $25 million a year. And I felt if you could, if he would take that now, and I, I don't think he probably would, I would be happy to lock him in for that now and then be like, now we have actual you know, continuity. We've got cost control and years on this player who's really good. He's in his prime the whole time. That would make uh, it probably a better trade asset, too. I mean, that's not yeah. a bad deal for a high-level score like that. I probably would have been okay. I guess at that number, yeah, I'd, I'd, I couldn't remember exactly what like his max extension would be on this deal. That's that's not too bad for him, I don't think. Yeah, I I think probably for Zach, I'd be completely willing. Like I, I feel like yeah, maybe he doesn't end up being worth $25 million a year, but a guy who can put over 20 points a game on efficient scoring and yeah. generate his own shot, he's not going to be worth a lot less than that. No. Like he's still going to sure. be worth what $20 million a year. So like I feel yeah. like the 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 extra you pay there is very small. And from Zach's perspective, I don't know how much you're giving up. What like the you're going to get what five million a year more, like to yeah, get that extra 75 like that. million. Yeah. The only thing is, like, Zach signed a massive shoe deal. Like, he's he's already made, I think, over $100 million in his life. So he's at a point where he could, you know, maybe just wants the, the ability to be a free agent, too, even ignoring yeah, that, the money. Yeah, and just, like, like he, I mean, and win. Like, maybe get to, like, I'm sure he likes, like, whatever, being, being a Chicago guy, being the top guy in, like, a big market like the Bulls. But, like, at some point, he's probably going to want to win games. So, like, maybe he would rather want to see, like, how this season goes before that. I mean... Again, if the season goes poorly, like he might even ask for a trade. Who knows? Yeah. He'd just be sick of losing like this. So yeah. like he might he might want to see kind of see how things play out this year first. When you hear his comments, you definitely get that view. Like he's like, I've never been a winner. I want to be in the playoffs. I want to be in a winning team. Like you you kind of you know. So it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me at all if that uh, ends up being the case. And because I got distracted by Zach Levine, I, I sadly in my terrible radio host way forgot the other important thing I was going to ask you. So we'll just have to to move <laughs> past that. Um, 
One thing we've touched on a little bit earlier, though, was Wendell Carter Jr. I think he's probably the other guy that you kind of want some questions answered on this season. He's been hurt a couple years. He really hasn't had a lot of time in the offseason to work on his game, and I've I've felt that that's probably actually uh, made him look worse than he would be otherwise just because he's not had the chance to really improve his game because he was hurt even in the offseason a couple times. Yep. But, uh, you know, he's come out. He's shooting lots of threes. I want to say he is one for 16 in the preseason on threes, if, yep, if, I, if I'm correct. Right. Uh, if not, it's it's whatever. It's right around there. Uh, and so the first question is like, I actually like, or maybe it's not even a question, first statement. I like the way they're trying to use Wendell Carter now. This is how I thought they always should have used him. The results have been awful, though. Uh, do you think, one, this is the right thing to try to do? And if the results continue to be awful, how long are you going to stick with it? Like, I'm not giving up on this after four preseason right. games, you know, like, but you, you clearly can't go, you know, 40 games if this, you know, and he's still shooting like 10% from there. Actually, it's less. <laughs> it's like 7% from the yeah. three point line. Right. So like, there's some limit here right? like that. Like, how long do you let Wendell Carter struggle? And we'll say, we'll say struggling is below 25% from three. I mean, like, you know, he clearly is going to be better than this. You would hope. I mean, I could shoot better from three from this. Like, <laughs> so clearly he'll be better than this. Like, this is this is like an awful streak, even within an awful streak. Even if he's not a great three-point shooter, he'll be better than this. But uh, how long would you go with Wendell shooting under 25% from the three before you just pull the plug and be like, yeah, we, we just can't use this guy in this way in the offense? So I will first say that I agree with you, that I, I like that they're trying this. I think we've a lot of us have talked about how Wendell was misused last year and just like, he shouldn't have been like a garbage man. It was basically all he was doing. Like we saw the, some of the skills at Duke, like he was a pretty decent shooter at Duke. And we saw some of the passing skills and stuff like that. And like we, they should let him do some of that, some of that in terms of stuff at the high post and using him at the elbows and kind of stuff like that. And I know the, the Bam Adebayo thing we've talked about like all the time, like, can he be maybe not as good as Bam? Bam is ridiculously good, but maybe some type of version, a poor man's version of Bam Adebayo, less athletic version um, in terms of that kind of the playmaking from the high post. And then, also hopefully extending out to the three-point line and so far as you said really bad really ugly like his shot looks decent like I don't think he like looks ugly shooting he just the results haven't been there I do think he'll get better if it if he goes a while and he's shooting whatever sub like you said sub 25 percent like I mean maybe you just change it to where he, maybe move those shots in a little bit I know long mid-range shots aren't great but like I mean, maybe he'd be a bit more comfortable shooting that. I know because I, I feel like last year there were points where he wouldn't even take those shots. He wouldn't even take like open mid-range shots where he wouldn't even look at the rim. And that, that obviously is a huge problem when if you're running pick and rolls and stuff like that and you're tossing it out to a big man who won't even look at the rim on shots like that. Like that's a huge problem. That just kind of nukes your offense. So I feel in general, he's got to be able to willing to shoot whether it's a, a three-pointers, whether it's open mid-range shots. Like if defenses are going to give him those shots, he's kind of got to take some of them. Like. Otherwise, it just like that kills his value totally because I think that was part of the equation was that Wendell would be a decent shooter if you're going to leave him wide open for shots that he'll make some of these shots. He he's not a knockdown shooter like he's never probably not going to shoot over maybe not even better than average maybe not even average but like if you could be in the low 30s on decent volume like that's pretty good for a center and on, on shots like that I I would totally take that that's decent but if he's like you said sub 25 like at some point you probably do have to be like dude you can't be taking four or five three pointers a game if you're only making 23 24 percent like maybe move in a few steps I don't know or just like maybe just he just isn't as good as we hoped uh again I think he could still have value even if his shooting doesn't come around in, on offense in terms of 
crashing the glass in terms of his passing and playmaking, but it really would be disappointing if he just can't shoot at all. I think that would really hurt the offense. Yeah, I I think it would make Wendell a, a guy you just let go. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I've, I've I, kind yeah. of feel like you you don't pay big men in this league uh, and be and, and do really well. Like you, unless your big man is doing something extremely special, you know, like you're Embiid, you're Jokic, one of these guys, sure. But otherwise, you don't you don't pay big men who are just good players. It's like a recipe for for disaster. Like it's a guard driven league at the moment. You got to yep. pay pay the perimeter guys. So. I mean, you got to be like elite. Like I mean, obviously Rudy Gobert got paid, and that's probably an overpay. But like whatever, two time defensive player of the year. It's the Utah Jazz. Like again, probably an overpay. But like Wendell's not that good defensively. Like he's not defensive player of the year good. Like I like him defensively, but he, I mean, he's a little undersized. Like obviously Gobert's like seven two with an eight foot wingspan almost. Like Wendell's not that big. He's not that dominant dominant defensively. So like while he think he's pretty good and a decent anchor on the defense, like if his offense is also like average to bad, like you definitely it's just like not a special player at all. And it's just kind of a dime a dozen at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was funny that Rudy Gobert was, you know, not going to he's willing to take less than the supermax. And I read this like little quote. And it was like Gobert gate left some money on the table to allow the Jazz <laughs> yeah. to continue to build the team. And like just to note anyone, if he signed a four year deal with uh, another team or we'll say, and then signed one year afterwards at like the same increased salary rate that he could have, it would still be ten million dollars less than what the Jazz paid him. So the Jazz still paid him like $10 million more over the life of his contract that any one other team could have done over the same number of years, even though the other team couldn't even add the fifth year like you know he got. They could only do four. But if they could theoretically, fictionally add the fifth year, it would still be for $10, $10 million less. So like, <laughs> I, like what kind of discount did you give him? Like you still got $10 million more than you could have got going somewhere else. And actually yeah, I mean, it what, ends up being like $50 million more because you got the extra year too. So – I don't know. That's just yeah. Uh, I, mean, was, I think the super max would have been the same as Giannis, which was like 228. He ended up getting 205, so that's 23 million less over five years. I mean, that's not that much money left on the table for sure. Yeah, like I said, <laughs> it, it's like you know, Giannis it probably we'd agree is a little bit better than Gobert. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, so some sarcasm in the little there. I mean, like it's just uh, yeah. I I get completely why the Jazz did it. I mean, I think you need yeah. to get a, a deal you done there. Like you're, you're, you're a good team. You're not going to yeah. be able to bring in anyone else. Right. If you let him go, you're not going to be a good team anymore. So I, I understand why that deal happens. But Same. you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, uh, it's, a, it's also a tough spot. Like your, <laughs> your team is kind of, kind of hosed a little bit salary wise, trying to fit in deals like that for, for a guy like Gobert who doesn't really add like a ton to you offensively. You know, and then so anyway, that's their problem, not our problem. And it, it, I was actually thinking. If the Bulls could have traded for Gobert when there was problems with the contract, someone brought up a trade of like Porter and Wendell Carter Jr. in next year's first rounder for Gobert. And I thought like, man, I don't really want to have to pay Gobert like 30 something million a year would turn up to 40 million a year. <laughs> yeah. But like, boy, that would sure make this team a lot better. Right. It's like you said, oh, it's the Jazz problem that. to have. Well, it's like the Jazz have been a very good team for a while now. Like I, I would take some of that sustained success. And yeah, I know it's not like not title good, but like. For the Utah Jazz, like I mean, they have a really, they have two two all-star level players, and they've been like a perennial playoff team. And if they get lucky, maybe they'll make a deep run at some point. So like, I, it's not the worst place in the world. I know some people like hate being in quote-unquote basketball hell if you lose in like the first round, you can never get past the second round. But like, I mean, it's I, that's still better than just being consistently shitty, which is what the Bulls yeah. have been for the last four or five yeah. years. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah I- 
I have a slogan, which is basketball hell is not being a treadmill team losing in the first round. Basketball hell is being a team that can never make it to the first round. Right. <laughs> like, there's like so few good moments. Like, I look back and probably I think this speaks to any Bulls fan who you know, was around watching this game and has enjoyed the Bulls long enough. And probably most of us have because there's been nothing in the last four years that would turn you on to become a Bulls fan <laughs> if you weren't one at this time. But when Joakim Noah had the steal against Paul Pierce and, you know, took it coast to coast for a dunk and they won that uh, game six in triple overtime. It's like maybe my favorite Bulls moment of all time. They didn't win that series. You know, they lost in the first round. I think they were maybe a 41 win team that year. Yeah, something yeah, like that. I think that. that's right. Yeah. You know, like, and, and obviously that team had future upside. Like you, you kind of understood that it could be better, but like, you know, that was that was super exciting, even though they weren't really good. The the Heimrich and uh, Dang and Duhan and Eddie Curry and Tyson Chandler Bulls in 0405. Baby Bulls. One of, my, one of my favorite Bulls teams of all time. And that team, you know, they were good, but you kind of knew they probably didn't really have any title-level talent on mm-hmm. it. You know, like, those two teams, like, you could enjoy them. You could be excited. Like yeah, you can find love in a team that's still like a first round loss. The team. only the it's, last I was gonna say the last like Bulls like season that I felt like I actually enjoyed was the year was Joe Kim Noah's like MVP esque season. Yeah. It was at 14 uh, because what obviously Derek was out again, and like they were just all dead basically. And and Joe Kim Noah like carries them to almost 50 wins. And you knew that team couldn't do anything in the playoffs. They had no offense. Like it was, and they got smoked by the Wizards in that first round. I was at that game five. This uh, when they got eliminated, they scored like 70 points and that and got eliminated. It was so bad. But like that season was a lot of fun to watch because they played their ass off. And Joe Kim was like an inspiration to watch. But like since then, like the the next year, I know they were a better, better team with Powell and with Derek back and with Jimmy Good. But like there was all the Tibbs drama. And then, like, they bring in Hoiberg, and, like, the three alphas year was stupid. And, like, even as much as I like Jimmy and, like, how he was really good, like, the, the season was not fun at all. Like, they were a mediocre, just kind of mess of a team. And obviously, since they've traded Jimmy, they've just been crap. So it's like, yeah, sometimes just, like, a season like that, even if you know you're not, like, a title contender, it can be a super – a whole lot of fun. So, like, I definitely do not subscribe to, like, the you need to, like, be, like – super like title or bust like every single season like you can find joy in seasons that just aren't that (laughs) so like the utah jazz like they probably will not win a title with these two guys they could be very good for a long time and at least be competitive and there's and there's value in that especially in a smaller market and and you never know like you never know too like you look at like the dallas mavericks behind dirk Nowitzki. right they, they like just stuck with dirk forever and there was a point even before they won, and it's funny because he stayed there for like what, like another seven years, yeah, eight years. But there was a point even there where they're like, maybe we should get rid of this guy. You can't win with him. He's not yeah, good enough. Start, we can't we'll get another piece. We should start over. Yeah. And they they just kept rolling it back with you know, and you look at that roster going into the season where Jason Terry is like your <laughs> your second best player and like the the ghost of Jason Kidd and Tyson Chandler are like you know, like I mean it did not look at all. Uh, like a like a title team, and then they won what is, in my opinion, the greatest title I think I've seen. I mean, and I think that one and maybe LeBron's comeback yeah. over the okay. the Warriors. Like those two yeah. stand out to me as like just the the most exciting like kind of unexpected titles, you know that that I've seen. And mm-hmm. the Mavericks won by far more than than the than the LeBron one for because Draymond Green got suspended and there's like a little extra 
you know, like weirdness to it that, you know, but, but either way, like you, and, and they had that moment, like, and it would have never been possible if you just gave up. So I, I don't think you always have to give up. I think yeah. if you, if you are a championship or bus guy, you're just in for a miserable experience <laughs> yeah. as a sports fan, right? Like if you can't find fun Only one in like team the wins games where you win, you know, like your, your average is like a title, like once every 30 years. Yep. Like that's just the law of averages. So like that's not a lot of fun. So you got to find you got to find ways to enjoy all the other times. Enjoy the times where you just win a big game, like when John Lucas shot over LeBron James, <laughs> and you know they ended that Miami Heat streak. Yes. And that team wasn't going anywhere. Like you can still take that moment and it, like 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 you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, and that was not yeah. a good team. So you know, like it just uh, you got to find uh, fun ways to enjoy what you have. For so. sure. I'll give you one more thing, and then I'll let you get out of here. And thank you so much for spending all the Absolutely. time with me today. Uh, so we, we kind of it feels to me like we have a really crowded rotation, and I think that's because none of these guys are so great. <laughs> <laughs> like it's not like it's so crowded because we're just overflowing with talent. But we got a lot of good like we got like a ton of guys who are like could be like your seventh or eighth men, and probably like three of them are going to be in roles from like five to eight, but but then we got like another three that are like in going to be in roles like nine to like 11 that could maybe be in that range. Uh, assuming we go nine deep, who do you think you got in in your nine? We're going to assume to start this question that Lowry is going to be in there. Zach's going to be in there. Kobe is going to be in there. Wendell's going to be in there. Porter's going to be in there. You know, that gives you that five. Um, and Patrick Williams, I think, has to be in there just because he's a yes. rookie. So I'll let yeah. you. I was, was going to bring up Patrick. We haven't really po- talked about Patrick Williams. Once. Oh, I yeah. Like, figured I'd use this as a jumping off point for a quick Patrick Williams like side. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. So like definitely like definitely I think has been impressive. Like he hasn't like been like incredible or anything, but like I think he's shown a lot more than I was expecting. He's only 19. He's the second youngest player in this draft class. And I think some of the offensive stuff that he's shown and the fact that Billy started him was kind of fun just in, the, in these last couple of preseason games. And in that first start, he re- he looked really good. Uh, like I said, hitting some shots, playing some defense. He just kind of does. He just kind of seems like he belongs. Like he's he's he looks like an NBA player, just like his size, his body. Like looks like he's got an NBA ready body. The offense looks better than I was expecting with his with the jump shot. Uh, some of the other stuff he's doing, crashing glass. Uh, making cuts, that kind of stuff. Like he's, I know he's had some issues with turnovers and uh, that, I mean that kind of stuff. I'm not expecting him to be like a high level creator right off the bat, like plan playmaker stuff like that. But if he can, if, I'm curious to see if Billy does start him and over Otto Porter Jr. Like I could kind of see it just because Porter uh, could give a little more juice to that second unit as a s- shooter, scorer, playmaker type. I know, with, especially with Sadoransky out right now, and I don't know what his deal is. Like, I think he might have tested positive for COVID. I honestly don't know what like, he's still not with the team. So, like, I do, I could kind of understand if they do just kind of stick Patrick Williams in as a glue guy to that starting lineup, just because I mean he doesn't need the ball a lot, he'll, but he looks like he'll be willing to take shots if he if he if he has them and they're open. He's seems like he's a, be a pretty good defender defender to start. Like I said, I'm not expecting like if we if the Bulls are expecting him, I guess to go and like guard LeBron and guys like that off the bat, like maybe that could be bad. But he seems like a kind of guy who would kind of relish that challenge. Uh, I, I know we saw like rookie Jimmy Butler do that kind of stuff when he came in. He was, I know he was older, but like he would go in and take some tough assignments for like a few minutes. Like again, putting Patrick Williams on high level wings like that right off the bat for a lot might be asking might be asking a lot out of the guy. But I mean. This, whatever sure maybe give him some of those assignments at times so overall like 
I did write something at Forbes like about like the Patrick William hype hype train and especially after that third preseason game against the Thunder and that how he after he had a really good game like everyone's kind of loving on him. I know he kind of took a bit of a step back in that fourth game where the entire starting lineup just did not play really didn't play very well. I know Lowry had a bit of a better game, but uh, I know Patrick Williams didn't get off to a great start. The starters just kind of got rolled in general. So obviously like you could you might have to pump the brakes on some of the Patrick Williams hype. He's a rookie. He's super young. Like once teams get film on him they'll know how to scout him that kind of stuff like he'll go through his growing pains but I think for where he's at as a super young rookie I was kind of really impressed by him uh and hopefully he'll hopefully he'll get a lot of minutes and hopefully be in this rotation whether whether it's as a starter whether it's as one of the key reserves he does de- I think he definitely has to get minutes like no matter what for sure right yeah I, th- I think so and uh before I get back to the rotation I'll add my my two cents yeah. on Patrick Williams you, you brought up the two things I hate hearing about Patrick Williams uh, the first of which is he's so young, like he's the second because he's the second youngest American born player in the draft. I think it was. Yes. Yeah, so, and I'm so, like, all right, he he had one year of college. He had four years of high school. Like he's probably the same amount of practical basketball that every other first rounder who's like a high level prospect has. And he's maybe like three to six months younger than the other guys. Like, I just I just think that's like so fair, weird that people totally prominent, people bring that up. Like, I, like, yeah, he's young. I just don't think like that's like he's and and that's true of all rookies. Like, I just don't think like he's like it's not like he's a high schooler or something that had like one less year than everyone else. Now, maybe if you want to compare him to other draft classes, not to this draft class. And this also applies to everyone in this draft class. The fact that they had the NCAA tournament cut short. Yeah. The fact that they got to practice less with their team. This draft class is kind of up against it. So in, in the sense of like being patient for all these guys. Uh, I kind of kind of agree with that. And then the second thing, people have said he just looks like he belongs out there. And I'm like, that just like sounds like one of those weird like backwards compliments. Like I can't actually compliment like the skill he has. <laughs> he just kind of looks like he belongs. And it, it reminds me like when I look at my cat and my cat is like she she looks like she's intently looking at everything, studying and like trying to figure <laughs> out what's going on. But like in her head, I have no idea what's going on. It's probably just like nothing, but her eyes are like wide open and she looks like she she's about to do something, you know, really, really intelligent. But like, I just I just don't know. Like, I'm just like, maybe. But then like he kicked a guy in the face trying <laughs> to a three point shot. So I'm like, that. he doesn't clearly just like always he's not like operating like people are kind of filling in gaps like oh he's not he's not very emotive. He's like a little bit passive in his demeanor and people are like, oh, he's so calm and cool and collected. I'm like, well, no, I mean, he's gotten beat like crazy bad a few times. Like, he's not just like operating on some did, super intellectual level those pump fakes pretty that, bad. that no one else is. So like, you know, it, it, it's fine. And like, I don't now when I say this, I feel like I'm just like trashing on the guy. Oh, no way. But but then I, I, actually, I actually looked at like the preseason stats and I'm like, Patrick Williams may have legitimately been the third best player on the Bulls preseason after Zach and Kobe. Yeah. I mean, Wendell like, obviously was bad. Lowry had like one good game. I guess his first game was okay, but like, and then the rest of it was kind of like whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, Otto so. Porter I thought looked okay watching him, and I looked at his stats and I was like, oh my god, he's got like twenty five percent from the three point line, and didn't really add a whole lot else. And then like defensively, like he looks like he's on the James Harden like workout plan like to start this year. Like he's just like, you know, this does not look like he's in great shape. Uh, I mean, he's, he's like a smart player. Like, he, it's funny when you watch him, you're like, man, this guy really knows what he's doing relative to most of the guys on our team, which is scary. But like, we, we didn't have a lot of great preseason play by anyone, kind of. And maybe, you know, Sadoransky only got one game. Thad Young, we've not seen at all. Uh, so like, there's, there's room for things to be better than they are. I, Daniel Gafford was someone, not that I was like, 
incredibly hyped to see him, but like I thought he he didn't look like he came back better, you know. So it, it'll it'll be interesting to to see. But you know, even even with all I said about Patrick Williams and me feeling people are a little bit on the hype train too much, and I think people always hype. It, up it's natural. <laughs> it's it's natural. You're excited, especially when your team's not good, right? right. Like if your team's really good, you're like you got other stuff to be excited about. But like when you're kind of searching for something to be happy about, you know, your rookie is an obvious place to look. And so Speaking uh, into existence. even yeah, even even with that, I kind of kind of like well, you know what? But he really was kind of the Bulls' third best player this I, preseason. For me, so. I guess for me, it's just like the possibility of like a legitimate two-way player. I feel like the Bulls just like obviously Jimmy was, but like the last couple of years, like. Like Zach is obviously a great offensive player, but not really a defensive player. You could say the same about like Kobe. Wendell is like a one way. It was a def- good defensive player, but nothing on offense. Like Chris Dunn, terrible offensive player, great defensive player. They've just had so many one way players. So yeah. to maybe possibly like actually have like a legitimately decently good two way player is kind of exciting. I think is also kind of driving some of this. Just like someone who can actually like play both ends of the floor and not be a liability would be really nice. <laughs> Yeah, we would like it. We'd like a bunch of guys like that. And yeah. now we we maybe potentially have one, which is yeah. a good start. You know, it's yeah. like if we had zero and now we have one, that's like the lure of Otto Porter. Like when he yeah. was before yeah. I got hurt, you know, like yeah. he was not necessarily elite on either end, but he was capable and probably above average on both ends. I think now he's probably below average defensively and and probably maybe average offensively. We'll see what happens with him. We'll see. He, he yeah. also has to prove he, it. He's in a contract he, year. Yeah. We'll see. If he plays himself into shape, hopefully I think the being in shape thing and obviously staying healthy is like huge. Like, Cause when he came back, even from the thing last year, like he just did not look like he was in shape at all. And like this year to start, Probably maybe not either that much. Like theoretically, like Otto's like an ideal three and D guy. Like he's been a great three point shooter throughout his career. And like you said, like not the best defender, but like okay. And then like he can do some stuff with in terms of playmaking. He's shown a little bit there. So like theoretically, he could be like a really nice player. Will that actually be the case? I don't know. Uh, so I guess looking like that in terms of the rotation, then if we want to get back to that question to finish yeah. up here, yeah. So you got if you have the five, you have the six guys we mentioned already. So then like looking past that. Like uh, who knows what's going on with Thad Young? Like I'm sure he would want to play, and I think you probably, if you're trying to win games, he probably should be playing. So that if he is actually healthy, that's seven. I think Sadoransky would probably be your backup point guard. So that's eight. So then you're looking at uh, like, do you use Daniel Gafford as a rotation guy? Do you use Chandler Hutchinson as a rotation guy? Will Garrett Temple actually get minutes? And then you have like Denzel back there. Like all these guys are just kind of like guys. Like Hutch. Showed some things offensively finally in that last preseason game. But like I, he's like a, he's, if he's not in transition in terms of like half court offense, he's just absolutely awful in half court. He can't shoot like the slowest release you'll ever see. Like he he can be aggressive sometimes and get to the line sometimes, but like a lot of it's the transition stuff. In the half court, he's just not good. So like, but like he can defend. He's a pretty good rebounder. Like he plays hard. So like. Maybe I feel like a lot of maybe that a lot of that back end of the rotation stuff, maybe that's kind of matchup based, depending on if you're playing like a bigger team where you need another center and you go to Daniel Gafford possibly for some as a backup center. Otherwise, like maybe you stick maybe you have Lowry as your backup center and you play smaller with guys like Chandler Hudson, maybe at some power forward. Obviously, you have Otto can play the four. Pat Williams can play the four. You have Thad there. Uh, And then, like, I mean, I feel like guys like Denzel and Archie Diakon are like break in case of emergency as like backup like backup backup like point guards basically like i know Denzel's a bit bigger he could probably play a few of those guard positions but like do i really want Denzel playing that much like i don't know like he's had some moments 
I know our guy T Red Fred loves Denzel Valentine and would love him to play a lot more, but again, he's always hurt. He's already hurt to start this season. I know he's back at practice, but like theoretically, like Denzel would be nice because he's a good shooter. He's a pretty good shooter. He's a decent passer, ball handler. Like, like I think that's the whole reason why they actually gave him that qualifying offer of four million, which I did not think was going to happen. I thought he was going to go elsewhere. Uh, but yeah, like I don't know. Like I think there's probably like seven or eight guys locked in, and then the rest, the other guys. So that's that's what the starters, Pat Williams. Sadoransky, Thad Young, if healthy. And then from there, you kind of go with maybe, depending on how games are going, how the rotations are going, or how, I guess, health-based. Like, I don't know if any of those other guys really should be locked into a spot. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, I, 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 it's, it's hard to argue with any of that. Like, there's no one who's so good that they're, yeah, like, this guy is in. I, I was actually pretty impressed with Chandler Hutchison this preseason and maybe it was just because my expectations were just so ridiculously <laughs> yeah, low that totally like it was fair. just kind of like, like, wow, this guy, I thought I like wrote him off. I'm like, this guy is never going to do anything in the NBA at all. And, you know, watching him, I'm like, he's kind of like tall Chris Dunn out there. Like he, <laughs> he like defensively just looked really strong to me. He was all over. He was helping. Well, he's blocking shots. Yeah. And he's a great, good, really solid deflection. defensive player. Yeah. And, and like the bulls don't have a lot on defense. So I kind of feel like he, I feel like there's like he'll, he'll have opportunities because also when you look at the rest of the bench guys, there's not a lot of guys that bring that either. Yeah. And it'll kind of depend a little bit if Thad Young can bring strong uh, defensive ability, you know, because he, he's a little bit bigger and wider uh, at this point. His career used to be, I think when he was younger, it kind of looked a little bit like Chandler Hutchison from like a, a body type. Uh, but, you know, definitely built out a lot of muscle since then. Probably not quite as fast as he used to be. If he can still bring a lot of defense, then I think it's going to be tough to really make any case to play Hutchison over him. Because I think that just gives you just a lot more on offense overall. Yeah. But but I, I was impressed with, with Hutch this this preseason. I thought, yeah, this guy has a role in the league. Yeah, like right? theoretically, like, yeah, theoretically, like he could be decent. Like you said, the defense, he plays hard. Like, he mentioned his rebounding, just the, the offense. It is kind of like Chris Dunn, like a taller Chris Dunn, just like, the offense is just like so bad if he's not if you're in a half court setting and that can just like totally nuke was just nuke your offense when he if he's tentative and he just he won't he can't shoot very well like there are times where he can be aggressive sometimes it's like oh well, I'd love to see more of that just driving to the basket draw fouls stuff like that but it's just we just don't see it often enough and it's just like, so as like yeah again as you're like eighth ninth tenth guy Chandler just totally fine but like uh. Like I just, if, in terms of him being like a high level like role player on like an actual good Bulls team, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough to say. I've I've come around to like there's certain guys you kind of write off in your head even though you know they're there. Yeah. And, and Hutchison and like Valentine are two guys like for me that I've written off in my head. Artu Diakono is the guy I wrote off wrote off before. I mean like he's just been written off the entire time. But like he's a guy like all right when you things are really bad he can sometimes give you some hustle plays. Sometimes he's fun to watch. He can. You know, whatever he's gonna try really hard and throw his body around, and and Hutchison, he do worse as a third point guard. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a third string point guard. He's like a quintessential like median level third string point guard. Like you don't ever really want him to play, and unlike a lot of third string point guards, you can't play anywhere else. Like you know, like you almost kind of feel like it. Yeah, you'd like your third string point guard to be more like a Sadoransky that could also be your third string small small forward and third string shooting guard and and back up three positions in case of emergency. And Arch can't even do that but Hutchison is a guy who make I, I'd written off and I saw enough that I'm like well maybe I should re- maybe I, I'm gonna hold on that a little bit 
Like I think in the modern NBA, he's like the type of defender who looks like he could probably defend maybe three, four positions out there, maybe even all five positions for brief stretches. And even though he can't do a whole lot on offense, I'm like, if he could just maybe learn to just shoot a catch and shoot three, even if just a corner three, yeah. Yeah, maybe, I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe there'd yeah. be something. And then he's like an eighth man. Like after yeah. all that, then he's like an eighth man or a seventh man, which is fine. Have, like if you have like him and Patrick Williams, like on the wing together, like I mean, that's at least like somewhat intriguing in terms of, like in terms of like, in the modern NBA, as you mentioned, like ver- you need, you want versatile wings. Like theoretically those two together could be interesting. Like if their offense come, does come along, but it's got to come along. He's got to be yeah. able to at least hit a jump. He's got to hit an open jump shot semi-consistently for that to like really be legit in games that matter. Yeah. And, Maybe one other thing, if you don't mind me keeping you a few minutes longer. I've noticed the Bulls, and it's just maybe it's due to their personnel. Like, we're big out there a lot. Like, we're just like a lot of times, and maybe it's just who's playing. It's like it's like Patrick Williams, Otto Porter, and, um, you know, Sadoransky were playing minutes, I think, the first game. Or, um, yeah, but they're just playing like three small forwards at a time. Like, in, or they're playing like big guards. Like, when Sato came out and they benched as like Kobe and Zach, I think. And maybe maybe it was Hutch that was in there as well. But it was like everyone on the roster was like six, seven and taller who was on the floor at the time. And and they seem to have like a lot of a lot of lineups like that. And, you know, it'd be it'll be interesting to see how that works, because it's I think that was in the 90s would have been something teams would have loved to do. And now it kind of feels like we're uh, we're not we don't shoot well enough with those lineups and we're a little slow. So it'll be interesting to see if we can turn that to our advantage. Sometimes I feel like if you do something that the rest of the league is not doing, you know, you can, you can kind of find like a margin there because they're not used to defending it and you know, the rosters aren't set for it like uh, they are against other teams. So I'm curious if that'll be something the bulls have something they can get out of. Yeah. I think that is kind of interesting. just like big, it's like bigger lineups, but not like, like jumbo, like, like big men, big men lineups. So it's kind of just like versatile, bunch of versatile wings together, maybe with like one big guy like that. It's, that's kind of interesting. I mean, they could also do like jump like three bigger guards plus two big men. I don't know. That is, it could be interesting. Like they do have some potential for some interesting combinations, and it will be. Uh, we'll we'll see what Billy does. Like again, I do think that just going to Billy will should make them at least a little better. I don't know how much better they'll actually be again. I think as kind of going back to what we said at the top of the pod, like I think the expectations, realistic expectations for this team should be they should be fighting for the play-in tournament. And that's seeds 7 through 10. If they don't do that, uh, I'd say that's pretty disappointing in terms of this roster and development and that I think you start looking to blow, totally blow things up. Uh, you could probably even do that even if they do get in the play-in tournament and don't go anywhere. Uh, it would be nice. Like, if they play at 72 games, like it would be nice to see them at least get into the 30s and wins. Again, if they do, if it does go bad and they do blow it up and they maybe get a high draft pick, it could be worse than that. But like we, the Bulls have obviously been so bad now for three years. Like it'd be nice to actually see some forward progress here with this, uh, with this roster and this and all this, but like, whatever with, you got a new coach, you got a new front office and they're clearly going to use this since they didn't do much in free agency as this so-called evaluation year. And, uh, and I guess we'll see how it goes. It's starting on Wednesday. And, and I'm, I am kind of excited, even though I don't think they're going to be like that good. I, still, I think they're still think they're pretty interesting. All right. Well, Thank you so much. I, it's funny just talking because I, I have actually very few people I talk about the Bulls with in my real life. Uh, so <laughs> so it's like anytime I talk with someone, I tend to talk their ears off because it's just it's amazing to talk with like knowledgeable people about <laughs> about the Bulls. I like it's like it's like kind of Christmas for me. So thank you so much for spending the time with me today. Uh, let the people know where they can find you, and uh, then I'll let you get out of here. 
All right. Thank you for having me on. Uh, you could find me on Twitter at Bulls underscore J. As mentioned at the top, Cash Considerations podcast. Uh, we will be recording our next pod, I believe, tomorrow night. We'll do, we're going to be doing a season preview pod. Uh, we're going to have Stefan Noah on. I shouted him out a couple times today uh, for our season preview pod. As also mentioned, SB Nation's bloggable. Been there forever. Good stuff. And then also at Forbes, Bull stuff. And then I'm also an editor at Clutch Points. Uh, Clutch Points, infamous for crazy graphics and all that kind of stuff. So that's uh, that's fun stuff. So, yeah, that's where you can find me. And uh, thanks again for having me on, man. It was great. Yeah, thank you so much.